Welcome to Synergy Church. If you, uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to John chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we have uh, some scripture and lyric sheets at the back that you can read along with us. Um, let me say as you're finding your place in scripture there that um, this is perhaps the most awkward day in the history of our church. Does anyone notice? I've had a couple of strange looks and a couple of comments. Um, we are calling today No Show Sunday. And um, we wanted everyone in our church to comprehend what church would be like if there were no volunteers. So if no one in our church served, this would be what church is like every week. In fact, we, we kind of cheated a little bit because we do have volunteers right now serving in our children's environments. We didn't think that they should suffer along with the rest of us. Um, but church, if you're a guest here, let me... First of all, I apologize to you and tell you I'm so sorry that this happens to be the first day that you chose to join us. Um, please come back next week. I promise you'll have a completely different experience. And um, we do love you, even though you may not feel like it. Um, this will all make sense in just a few minutes as we go through uh, our story. John chapter number two, very, very common story. This is the first miracle that Jesus performed uh, that began his earthly ministry, which lasted for three years. Um, if you don't know anything about God or church or the Bible, uh, Jesus was God's son sent from heaven, uh, God to, to live on this earth. And so he lived uh, for 30 years before he began an actual ministry and began performing miracles and teaching people and uh, showing people who he was. And um, this was the first miracle that he ever performed. It's John chapter number two. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples has also been invited to the wedding. I love that Jesus wasn't some super religious freak that people didn't like. I love just the inference that he was invited to a wedding. We don't know if this was family. We don't know if it was like close friends of his mom because it mentioned his mom first. Um, but I love that Jesus was relevant in his day that people would have been attracted to Jesus on some personal level to be able to invite him to this wedding. Now, weddings were a huge deal in this day. Uh, my wife, Lindsay, and I today are actually celebrating our sixth anniversary. I love you, sweetheart, wherever you are. But last night, we attended one of her best friend's weddings. And weddings are just a huge deal. If you've been married, you know how much goes into planning a wedding and how important it is who's at your wedding and the celebrations and festivities uh, well, actually, in Jesus' day, it would have been a much bigger celebration. In fact, some weddings would have lasted days. And uh, so at this wedding, Jesus is invited. Apparently, things are going great until verse number three. It says, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. So Jesus makes known, I mean, Jesus' mom makes known to Jesus that apparently the bar had run dry and people weren't extremely happy about that. So some of you may have been to weddings and that was the case and you were like, you know, what's the deal? Um, in this day, this would have been a very dishonoring act for the guests at the wedding. So not to have planned well, not to have prepared well, and not to have enough wine for everyone in attendance would have been kind of a smack in the face. It would have been saying to our guests, like, we don't value you, we don't honor you, thanks for sharing on our special day, but uh, we didn't really prepare or make this day honoring to you. Uh, I think a lot about today and what happened. I know I've already met some people who are here for the very first time 
And perhaps it would have been helpful when you were driving onto the campus here for there to be some signs out of the road to kind of give you some direction so that you could find it. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've tried it. 175 Second Street doesn't exactly get you here on uh, the iPhone Maps app or the Google Maps application. So we apologize that there were no signs out on the road to make it clear and obvious for you where we meet. Um, it would have probably been helpful to at least know that there were people here when we typically have volunteers out in the parking lot, um, hopefully trying to put a smile on your face. Not that we have a huge traffic influx of problem to help you find a parking spot, but it's nice for people to be there to greet you. And then when you walk in the door, uh, kind of our rule is no one opens a door for themselves, so it would have been nice for someone to greet you at a front door and just say, you know, we're excited that you're here, especially if you're a first-time guest. Uh, I've walked into a church before for the first time, and I've been in church my whole life, and there's always kind of that awkward hesitation, like, I don't know what to expect. And so when you came in this morning, if you're a first-time guest and there was no one there, you were probably like, you know, this church is just uh, kind of strange. There's no one here. And then if you have kids, there's no one to check in your kids at the front. Typically, we have a computerized check-in system uh, to make sure that your kids are safe. And that was kind of moved to the sides today. And so if you had kids and you've never been here before, perhaps you wondered, like, where do I take my kids? Where do I go? Even if you don't have kids, maybe you wondered, like, where am I supposed to go? And you just kind of looked around and wondered until you find the right place. Um, and then perhaps maybe when you came in and you thought, you know, this is church, it's just a gym, like nothing, there's, there's nothing to it, they're just having church in a gym. Uh, you may have thought, like, there's not much to this church, and then probably when you had to grab your own seat, you probably thought that was a little strange. You, you probably thought, like, they could at least put chairs out for me, like, what's going on here today? And so when you went and grabbed your chair, perhaps, maybe, I don't know, some of you got angry, maybe you were frustrated, maybe you said something to someone, hopefully we didn't have any major conflicts. But if you're a guest here today, let me be the first to say, I'm sorry, we didn't honor you today. We just didn't. We didn't have any volunteers here, and we didn't show you that we value you being with us, and we didn't communicate to you that we want you to have a good experience. What we communicated to you was, like, good luck, like, I hope you can figure things out for yourself. We don't really care that you're here. And uh, the truth is, that's not, that's not the case. We love that you're here, and um, all of our volunteers, we call them Team Synergy, uh, there was a lot of pushback when I, when I told them we were doing this today. And the heart of the pushback for most people was, well, what about first-time guests? Like, what if people walk in and they have a bad experience and they never come back? And so I assured them that I would make it clear to you that you'll have a better experience. Please come back next week. But in this day, these guests would have been dishonored. It would have been a major ordeal. Like, I don't know if you've ever been at a wedding and something goes wrong and, and like, the mother of the bride is running around frantic, like, we've got to figure something out. Something went wrong. Uh, last night, the air conditioning wasn't working in the reception hall, and it was really hot. People were fanning and eating over hot food, and sweat was dripping, and there were people running around, like, getting people, like, fix this, something's wrong. That would have been the case here in this day. And so it's interesting what Jesus' mother says to him. She says, they have no more wine, which basically she's communicating to them, I need you to do something about this. Like, you have potential, Jesus, to fix this situation. When all of our guests are dishonored and when there's nothing for them and there's chaos ensuing, like, you have potential to fix them, Jesus, Son of God. I know you can do this. But Jesus' response was really, really interesting. Verse number four, Jesus says to his mom, Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. 
Now this sounds, it sounds kind of arrogant and it sounds kind of disrespectful in the original language. It's not portrayed as being a disrespectful thing for him. Essentially, he was saying to his mom, like, I haven't started my ministry yet. I know I'm the son of God and I'm going to start that, but I haven't really started that yet. Um, I always like to point out to all the students, uh, living at home with your parents, we encourage you to memorize scripture. We encourage you to use scripture. This is not a scripture that you should uh, memorize and use when your mom tells you to do something around the house. Woman, why do you involve me in such things? My time has not yet come. When this show's over, I'll think about it. You can't, you can't do that. It's not, gonna be, it's not gonna work for you like it did for Jesus. Um, so Jesus is, he's called upon to help in the situation and his mom doesn't really take no for an answer because she sees the potential in him to perform a miracle to, to make the situation better. So verse number five, his mother says to servants, so there were servants nearby, and, and I love just the simple instructions. Uh, these are instructions that I try to live my life, don't always get it right, but Jesus' mother says to these servants, do whatever he tells you. Like, Jesus, your time is here, and you're about to do something, and, and servants, whatever he tells you, like, just do it and watch what's going to happen. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing, and, and whatever that looks like, I don't know. And that's really the heart of, it should be the heart of, of any Christian, is to live your life in such obedience that whatever Jesus tells you, you do. You, you live a, a complete life of obedience and surrendering who you are to Jesus. You obey his instructions for you in life that are found in scripture that he speaks to us in prayer and you obey him and then you watch what he does in your life so she says to these servants do whatever he tells you verse number six nearby stood six stone water jars the kind used by the jews for ceremonial washing each holding from 20 to 30 gallons okay so nearby jesus notices there's six ceremonial washing jars that people would have used in religious ceremonies for cleansing and that type of thing. And Jesus notices these are 20 to 30 gallon jars and he speaks to the servants. He says, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. Now, two things that I wanna kind of point out here. Um, first of all, Jesus was the son of God, okay? Came from heaven to live amongst the people. This wasn't his wedding. Uh, he wasn't in charge of this wedding, and so when his mom came to him and said, we need someone to fix the, the wine situation, wine's gone, like, Jesus could have easily said, like, that's not my issue, that's not my problem. Like, the bridegroom, like, he needs to figure that out, he needs to get things straightened out. The people that plan this, like, that stinks for them, they should figure that out. But he doesn't do that. Like he kind of humbles himself and says, I know that things aren't going well and I know that I'm God, but I'm gonna help in this situation. Um, I get frustrated from time to time when people view ministry in a church like that. Here, here's what I mean. Um, I've had people even in this church in the past that um, have talents and have abilities uh, that could be on the stage, they could be doing what I'm doing, they could be playing music on the stage, they could be doing things that we're doing. Um, and they haven't always gotten opportunities to do those things. I remember having one conversation with a gentleman um, who was on our security team. And uh, so obviously uh, lots of bad things can happen in this world and so we try to make sure that 
We have some people looking out for negative situations and potential that could happen and just kind of patrolling and making sure our children's environments are safe. Uh, And so this gentleman was on this team. And I can remember a conversation that he had with me after I asked him to teach a class. We we have a a set of classes called the Growth Track, and we try to help people um, go through some classes. And so he taught this class. And I remember, like, the conversation that we had, uh, like, the week after that, when he made this comment to me. He said, you know, I just want to say thank you for letting me teach that class. He said, it felt good to be used where I'm gifted. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah, I mean, I'm fine doing this security stuff, but I mean, I I just have so much more to offer. And in that moment, I was just taken back, like, so you think teaching a class is more important than making sure that our kids and and everyone in our church is safe? And uh, over time, uh, this this gentleman uh, isn't, isn't with us any longer because uh, he didn't get some opportunities to do some things that he wanted to do. Now, no knock against him, that's typical for a lot of people, but, but here's like my heart and my passion, is that there's nothing that's beneath anyone. You know, Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth, he was born in a manger. I mean, like, King of all kings, Lord of all lords, and he was born in a barn. Like, he humbled himself for you and for me. He was at this wedding, and, and honestly, he should have been the most distinguished and honored guest, and they should have been doing things to recognize him, but... When chaos ensued and things went south, he was the one that kind of had potential to change the situation, and he lowered himself below the responsibility of the people that should have been honoring him to say, I'll help bring honor to this situation. I love that there are people in our church that aren't too gifted and they're not too qualified to serve in this church in roles that some people think are unimportant. I love that we have people changing diapers every week that could be teaching classes if we had certain environments. I love that there are people that show up at 6 a.m. that have great jobs and prestigious positions and they come here at 6 a.m. to set up what we do every week. I love that there are people in our church that don't consider themselves so proud and so gifted, so to speak, that they can't do what in their mind may be a common task. I think it's safe to say, though, that this morning when you grabbed your own seat, that setting out chairs is an important task for a church. That if we're going to honor guests, then very basic things are extremely important. And not that people are not gifted to do greater things in the church, but just we have need for some basic things to happen, and people get an opportunity to serve there. The second thing that I love about this is that when Jesus says to these servants, fill these six water jars, that this wasn't a simple task. These are 20 to 30 gallon water jars. I don't know if you've ever done any research, but a gallon of water weighs approximately 8.35 pounds. So one of those jars, if it only held 20 gallons, would have weighed about 167 pounds. There were six of them. That's 1,002 pounds of water that these servants were instructed by Jesus to fill. Okay, now they could have said, like, we've been here working all day. Like, no one told me to do this. Who are you? Like, just some random person at this wedding to tell me to fill this. And they didn't just go and get a little bit of water and, and fill these jars. There would have been no hose that they could have just ran and turned the faucet on and filled these things up. They would have had to like go to a well and draw water and fill these jugs up. They would have had to carry these 167 at least pound 
jars back to Jesus filled with water. And scripture says that they filled them to the brim. They didn't just give him a little bit. They didn't just say, you know, here's a little bit of water. They took his instructions and they did their very best with excellence. They gave him everything they had. They filled the jars to the brim. I love that. I love that our attitude in serving Jesus shouldn't be just like, what can we do to get by or what can we offer, but how can I do my very best? How can I give beyond what's expected of me? How can I put every bit of potential that I possess into this water jar and bring it to Jesus? The truth is these servants, they couldn't make wine out of water. They couldn't fix the situation. All they could do was fill water jars. Like that was the extent of what they had to offer. And they gave it their full, their very best they offered. You know, we've got a group of people here at our church that have been serving for a really long time. And to be honest, even though there's some seeming small tasks that take place each week, it's not always an easy thing to do what we do week in and week out. And not to like guilt anybody into anything, but just so that you know, there's a group of people that show up at 6 a.m. every week. And for those of you who may be guests, there's typically 16 foot tall pipe and drape curtains that line this entire auditorium. We usually have a screen that we set up and we set up a projector and we hook up video and computer information. We have a stage that we build so that I'm not like 15 feet above you and seems really awkward in here, to be honest with you. We set out chairs every week. We run tons of cables and we make sure that the cables are nice and neat and we cover them with mats to make sure that people don't trip on them and we set up computer check-in stations out front. People put signs out on the road. They stand out in the hot summer weather and welcome people to our church. They open doors for people as they come in. They hand out worship guides, which we don't have today, to people when they walk into the auditorium. Our host team welcomes them in. We have ushers that make sure that our environment is distraction-free and they're helpful, helping people find a seat if service has already started. We typically stand up 15-foot-tall light towers that have lights to make us be able to control lights. I don't know about you, but it drives me nuts hearing that buzz right now. It's so, so distracting to me that I'm hearing these buzzes and these lights. And there's no environment created here. Like we worship today, if we could have dimmed the lights a little bit and created an environment that was engaging it would have made a huge difference in what we do. And those things happen every week. The chair that you typically sit in, someone sets it out. When you typically read lyrics off a screen because you don't know the words to the song, there's a person operating a computer so that you can do that. And someone set up the projector and all that happened. It's not a simple task. It's a big production. It's a big deal. And why is it a big deal? Because some people would say, I don't mind this. I kind of like it. I mean, the music wasn't so loud and it's just kind of simple. Why do we have to do all that every week? It's not really necessary. Why don't we just kind of do this? And the answer is, is because those of us who love this church, we may be fine with that. But it's so dishonoring to our guests that we would never reach people. That people would walk in and think, these people are just kind of strange and that's all they do for church. That's not a big deal. And yeah, I know there may be churches that have church like this every week, and that's fine. But we want to be a church 
that thinks about people outside of our church and strives to fill the jars to the brim so that Jesus can do with the water that we have to offer what only he can do. So verse number seven, after they filled them to the brim, Jesus told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. So they bring the water to Jesus and he performs a miracle. He takes 1,002 pounds of water and makes it into 1,002 pounds of wine. Plenty for everyone in attendance at this wedding. And he tells the servants, draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did that. This is the other thing that I love. I love that Jesus includes us in his miracles. Have you ever thought about how much Jesus needs you? He doesn't really. He doesn't really need me. Like he could have just said, oh, there's some water jars and he could have like made wine be in there. He didn't really need the servants, but he chose to include them in his miracle. And so these servants are carrying a miracle to the master of the banquet. And they did so And the master of the banquet. He tasted the water that had been turned into wine. And he did not, listen, I love this. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the banquet didn't know where the water came from. He didn't know that a miracle had just happened. He didn't know what went into what he was tasting. And that's the story of our guests every week. And they don't need to know what we do every week because we simply want to honor them. But those who were involved in the miracle, they knew. To them, it was more than just taking a glass of wine to someone. It was the actual witnessing of a miracle. And in their hands was former water that Jesus had miraculously changed into wine. And when they saw the response of the master of the banquet after they had carried the water to them, you can only imagine the pride in their hearts from knowing they had a small part in it. So the master didn't know what, where the water had come from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. So the master of the banquet, he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you... You've saved the best to now. Like, who, who got the credit for this miracle? It wasn't even Jesus initially. Like, the master of the banquet calls the bridegroom, who had nothing to do with it, who screwed up, had nothing to do with this miracle, who didn't plan well, who dishonored his guests, and he gets called by the master of the banquet, and he gets paid the biggest compliment. Typically, of all the weddings that I go to, they always bring out the best wine first. And when people have had too much and they don't know what's better, they just give them the cheap stuff. But not you. Not you. You've saved the best until now. Now, what he had already tasted would have been the bridegroom's best because that would have been given first. So what Jesus, his miracle was better than the best of the bridegroom. And now the bridegroom gets to say, like, I was, like, scrambling, looking for some more wineskins. What just happened? And Jesus did for the bridegroom what he couldn't do for himself with the help of just some willing servants who just wanted to help Jesus do what he did. Verse 11, end of the story. This 
the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee, and he thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. So Jesus had invited a group of followers to follow him, and he hadn't even started his ministry yet, but here in this moment, he revealed his glory, and his disciples realized, wow, this isn't just some person worth following. This isn't just some good teacher. This is the Son of God. This is who we've been waiting for. This is someone very special. It says, in that moment, his disciples placed their faith in him. Now, here's, here's the heart of everything we do as a church. So let me just kind of be upfront with you. Our church exists to make Christ known in the lives of people far from God. We have experienced hope in Jesus. We've experienced new life in him. And we want people to know Christ. And so everything that we do on Sundays is geared towards making Christ known in the lives of people far from God. But, but here's the truth. Like, I can't save anyone. Like, salvation doesn't come from this pastor. And I can, I can share some scripture with you, and I can tell you some truths, and I can be helpful to you in your life and helping you live a better life. But at the end of the day, it's only Jesus that can save people. It's only Jesus that can change a heart from being cold and indifferent to being alive. He can bring dead people to life, spiritually speaking. I can't do that. But you know what I can do? Is I can fill some water jars. And so many times we just assume, well, Jesus is going to do what he's going to do, and it's not really important what I do. But our attitude here at this church is we're going to fill those jars to the brim. And we're going to make sure that they're spilling over when we bring them to Jesus. We're going to give him everything that we have, 100%. And we're going to just say, Jesus, now here's the water. Only you can perform miracles in the hearts of men and women. And so we've given you everything we can. And we're not perfect, and we don't get everything right, but we try to think, how can we honor our guests so that Jesus can do in their life what only he can do in their life? And, and here's, here's my heart for us as a church. Serving... It's not really optional for a Christian. I want to be bold enough in saying this without being disrespectful to anyone. Jesus' example for us was to humble himself and serve others. If we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, if we're going to live lives that please Jesus, then service is a part of that. Now, it doesn't have to be here at this church. If you want to go to another church, you should serve there. Serving on a Sunday isn't the only time you can serve. You can serve people at your workplace. You can serve family. You can serve friends. It's not the only place that you can serve. But here's what I want for you. I want you to experience the beauty of filling a water jar, as difficult as it may be at times, and as hard and sometimes mundane as it may seem, I want you to experience filling a water jar and bringing it to Jesus and seeing him perform a miracle. I always tell people, when I talk about finances, when I talk about serving, when I talk about connecting in small groups, these aren't things that I want for you, from you. I don't want things from you. I want things for you. Because here's the truth. If you've never experienced being part of a miracle that Jesus has performed, not only are you missing out on his best for you, but you're failing to experience some of the greatest blessings that you'll ever experience 
in your life. And so today, like, just to kind of be up front with you, my goal is that those of you who may not be serving in this church currently would decide to cross that line and start serving in this church. And here's the truth, and here's, here's the honest heart that I can come to you with. We didn't do all this today because we need help. We didn't. The last 18 months, if you haven't been serving, we've done it every week without you. And we're not doing this today like, like out of a desperate measure. Like if we don't get more people serving, then our church is just going to tank. We've got around 50 people that serve in this church. We average around 30 people every week that serve to make what we do happen. We have people in this church that love to serve. And if you never serve, if no one else ever served, we're still going to have church every week. We're still going to have people show up at 6 a.m. and set everything up. We're still going to have people in the children's rooms. We're going to still have people in the parking lots putting road signs out. We don't need you. And Jesus doesn't need you. And he doesn't need me. But what I want for you is to experience the blessings of being part of a miracle. Could we do more if we had more people serving? Absolutely. Could we do more if we had more people giving? Absolutely. Could we do more if we had more people connecting in small groups? Absolutely. We don't need it, though. Our church is making it. We are healthy. So I'm not coming to you today out of, like, this guilt trip, like, if you don't start serving, like, we're going to be in trouble, and we need you to step up and make this thing happen. I'm coming to you out of a pure heart saying, you don't know what you're missing out on. You don't know when someone makes a decision for Christ and crosses that line of faith and places their faith in him and the miracle of salvation happens, what it does in the heart of the men and women who set the chair out that they sat in that day. You don't know what it does in the heart of the people that set the stage up where the people heard the message of the gospel sang and preached. And you don't know what it does in the heart of the people that watch their kids in our children's environment so that they can have a distraction-free environment and experience to hear the presentation of the gospel. And you don't know what it does to the people who welcomed them onto the campus and were the first person to speak to them. And you don't know what it's like to be the person that sends a note in the mail saying, we're glad that you came and visited us today. To know that they had just a small part in filling a water jar that Jesus turned into wine. If you don't know, if you don't know, you're missing out. I'm just here to tell you, like, we would love that for you. You say, well, it doesn't look like we have enough people to need so many people to serve. Look, I would love if everybody in our church served. How bad would that be? We don't need you, but what we want for you is for you to experience that. And so here's, here's what's about to happen. I'm going to ask Miriam to come back up. She's going to sing a song for us in our time together. Um, we're going to break a rule here now that this no-show Sunday has been exposed. I'm going to ask those of you who are going to be helping as ushers this morning to go. Um, we're going to pass out some, some connection cards and giving envelopes to you. And guys, just as soon as you get those, you can go ahead and start passing those out. And here's, here's what this moment is all about. This is, this is what I want for you. So we're going to give you a connection card. First of all, we would love for everybody to complete the connection card. And when the giving bucket passes the moment, we'd love just to know that you were here today. But for the next few moments, we're going to sing this song. And I just want you to stay seated and just reflect. And, and here's the question that I want, to, I want you to ask yourself. Is Jesus asking me to do something? Remember what Jesus' mother said. Do whatever he tells you. Not because I like try to manipulate you or guilt you into anything, but 
do you feel Jesus is telling you to do something? On the back of that connection card are some volunteer opportunities. They're not real specific. It's designed for us just to know that you're interested. And we're going to contact you this week with some specific opportunities and help you find a place if you want to serve in this church where you can serve and get connected and be part of what we're doing every week. If you're a first-time guest, please listen to me. Please feel no pressure. Like, I'm not trying to tell you, first-time guests, like, if you don't serve in this church, you're not welcome here. That's not the heart of today. So just kind of let this be a moment for you just to let us know you were here so that we can just honor you. But while Miriam sings this song, would you just, would you just ask, Lord, are you telling me to do anything? And would you just, in that moment, if Jesus is telling you to get involved in any way, just on the back of that connection card, just, just let us know that you have an interest to take a step and get involved in filling water jars. That's kind of what we do around here. We just fill water jars and we say, Jesus, whatever you can do with our water, we would love for you to do that. So as she sings this song, just take three or four minutes and just reflect, ask Jesus, be honest with yourself, and ask, is there anything that you want me to do? And if so, just complete that connection card. I'm gonna come back in a minute and give me some further instructions. Is Jesus telling you to do anything? Are there any water jars that you could fill? We love for people to respond to what they've heard each week. We love for people to kind of be public with what God's doing on the inside of them, not, not to embarrass them and not to point out anything in their life, but just to affirm them. And... Um, I'll just let you in on a little secret here. We as, as a team of volunteers have been praying for those of you here today who may not be serving that, that you would take a step to cross a line to experience what it's like to fill a water jar. And so we have a group of people here who are super excited and ready to celebrate with anyone who may be willing to do that. And so, so here's, here's kind of our response time for today. It's kind of easy sometimes to like check something on a card and then when you get some information, you decide, well, no one really knows that I did that and I'm, I don't really want to do it. Here's, here's our response time. If you want to fill some water jars, if you want to be part of bringing your water to Jesus so that he can perform miracles and do something to honor those guests that may be coming each week and maybe on your connection card you indicated that, in just a moment, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to make this really dramatic. I just want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to give you a couple of words of instruction. And then we're going to go back to the tent after, after we sing another song. And we're going to enjoy some brownies. And can't wait to meet you and all that kind of good stuff. But if you feel like today God, Jesus, has told you that there's some water jars that you can be filling. And you want to take a step. You don't know exactly maybe what it looks like for you to serve. I can promise you that it doesn't have to be 6 a.m. So please hear that. For you to serve this church, you do not have to show up at 6 a.m. If you want to start serving, if you want to bring your water jars to Jesus, would you just stand? One, two, three. Anybody here in the room? Awesome. Wow.